Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. After saying that we were gonna we were focused on the lighter, we still ended up yeah. <laughs> in there. And now I'm going to desperately grab us by the scruff of the neck and drag us over to the second half of the program. Yeah. So we are we are reviewing what in my opinion is the best Batman movie I'll of all time. Um, which is Batman Mask of the Phantasm, which is from nineteen ninety three. Mm-hmm. which was a box office bomb because I guess this was supposed to be like a straight to video release that they just randomly dumped on Christmas day one year. Yeah, I don't let me hang on. I've got the the wiki open on it, it right now. It 5 million and it made like four to 8 million, I think. So they, I remember they did not, they did not um, market it much because I was a big animated series fan at the time. And in doing so, like, I remember seeing a couple of them. I remember Um, seeing a couple ads for it at the time. It was also produced in originally planned as directed video. It got a theatrical release, condensing its production to an eight month schedule. Good Lord. Um, That's they had to have killed some people doing that. (laughs) Yeah, it seems that way. Um, It. Became a financial success on home media release. Largely built Uh, off of, which is, this is going to sound really weird. So Siskel and Ebert in 1995 just randomly had watched it and were like, wow, we missed this during like our, in theaters and it's really good. You should check it out. And I guess that really helped its home media sales. Yeah. Uh, Budget 6 million, box office 5.6. Yeah. So, but then you get into the the home release and it it took off. I so. can't believe this was direct to video because this movie is gorgeous. <clears throat> it's got more uh, it's got more budget for their animation style. It's got more space to tell stories so they can kind of stretch and stretch their muscles on it a little bit. And they've also got other you know big name people in it. So yes, they 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 opened that uh, money bank up for <laughs> Abe Vigoda. They got Abe Vigoda and Stacy Keach. Uh, in this like oh, that's what's that? David Delaney. Well, she I mean yes. they, she um they kind of at this time David Delaney actually was like I won't say big but I mean she was she was like a a star. Well, yeah, but yes, I mean, she, she was known. Yeah. She did stay on to be Lois Lane, though, in, in Superman a couple years later. Yeah. Which is pretty awesome, too. Yeah, Matt, you um, got real quiet. Oh, I, I muted myself because oh, I had to sneeze. Sorry. Okay, that happens. <laughs> but so, um, so let's just kind of give a general overview of the plot here. So um, it starts off um, with Batman, like, breaking up a counterfeiting operation. And the boss is like escaping and he gets attacked by this um, 
spectral form that we're going to call the phantasm for this and pretty much gets killed and they think batman did it because he just happens to be in the area and so um it goes to this is he a public def- is he a public prosecutor or is he no Who's he's that? a city councilman he's a councilman. oh yeah arthur yeah. reeves yeah kind of talking about this so pretty much the whole idea of this movie is phantasm is killing these mobsters that are all tied together and with flashbacks of bruce wayne because he's at a party and they bring up um someone he used to date which was andrea beaumont so you get a lot of flashbacks to like pre batman bruce well actually i think it opens with that part no, and so, then ten years later, you get the counterfeit thing, right? No, no, it's the counterfeit thing. Flipped? It's the counterfeit thing. Then you go to the media thing, and then they're at the party, and Arthur Reeves brings her up, and oh, then he okay. goes into okay. the back room and has that thing, and then because remember it gets broken up because Alfred shows up is like, "Sir, Miss Bambi is dancing on the piano." <laughs> <laughs> and remember, because this is also where, like that woman like throws a drink in his face because he, you know, is being Bruce. I always liked in the animated series how Bruce kind of plays himself as both likable, but also kind of a he's a millionaire playboy who's who's actually kind of bad at it. Well, so um, Arthur Reeves calls him out for he's like he's like, honestly, Bruce, like, I swear you pick them just because they won't work out. Yeah. And um, so you have this phantasm who is just straight up. Yeah, like you said, straight up killing gangsters. And that's this, sad if, if you actually look at the body count, it's like two. Uh, let's see. Yeah, two. Yeah. Because Joker it killed. That, that's true, been, but it would have been more. Well, uh, Joker, 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 the third one. <laughs> that's that's uh, an yeah. intense scene, by the way, when, um, when we get to that. So then they meet like so they so he originally meets Andrea Beaumont because he's at his grave, the grave of his parents, and she's talking to her mom. Mm. And they kind of have a, a bit of a back and forth about it. And she drives off. And then we come back to, I think, the the present. And then the phantasm kills another guy in the cemetery. And that one's pretty hardcore because the phantasm like pushes a, a statue on him because he falls into a into an open grave while running away mm-hmm. from the phantasm. Yeah, there the the phantasm is <clears throat> cuts loose pretty good. Um there there's no there the Disney villain death thing is the that's not in full quite full effect here. Yeah. And then um I think we get another flashback of Bruce's first time out as a vigilante. Mm-hmm. And um he just he's just the guy in a ski mask at that point. So there's mm-hmm. a whole um there's a whole scene with that with the young Harvey Bullock pretty much getting like his cop car taken out. Yeah, that that year one Batman kind of thing going. Yeah. And um Oh, that is true. I forgot the Phantasm is the Phantasm is actually the takeoff of a character in year 2. Mm-hmm. I always forget that. Cause I was yeah. Like, I was thinking like, oh, the Phantasm's kind of an original creation. Then I remember like, no, Phantasm's kind of from year two. But it's a very different character 
than the comic yeah. phantasm, which yeah. is actually a little out of character for Bruce Tim and Paul Dini, but it works, so I'm not going to complain about it. Well, and honestly, year one to me, which is this is probably like being a heretic, but to me, year one is more of a Jim Gordon story than a Batman story. Hmm. Okay. It's been a long, long time it's since I read a, it. So it's, it's been it's been like twenty plus years since I read it, but I have a distinct impression. I would, I would agree. I actually, I would agree with that. I do think it is. Thinking about it, yes. We should. It's told from his show. perspective. Yeah, yeah. We should. It, it is told from his perspective, so I would say like that's fair. Like mm. it's it is more of a Jim Gordon story that obviously heavily features Batman. Kind of the um, the non superhero protagonist for a superhero story, um, but okay, I'm with you. Yeah, and and so the one thing you're gonna see about this movie is it's PG, but it's a very like violent. Is movie. it PG? Yeah, it's PG. I thought it was PG thirteen. No, I looked. It's PG thirteen. I mean, PG was harder back then though. This is ninety three. Like PG was still newish, so they hadn't quite like, because PG is like G now. Like you used to get some. Yeah, nobody wants G or PG now because they're like, oh, I think it's a kid's thing. It's like it's it's one of those Hollywood perceptions that they think they have to shove everything. Yeah. They think they have to shove everything into that PG-13 era so everybody will watch it. And it's like, you know. You really, you know what? Never mind. You're not going to listen to me anyway. <laughs> yeah. So she shows back up in town, and I, I'm I'm not getting the chronology of this right because there's a lot of moving parts to this because there's flashbacks mm-hmm. and like the current day, and they often like meld together. But so she comes back in town, and um, they kind of run into each other in the cemetery, and she figures out that Bruce Wayne is Batman pretty quick, or has a guess. But yeah. at the same time, there's this other mobster, Salvatore Felestra, who sees that these other two guys have gotten killed. And um, an interesting aspect to him, though, is he has emphysema because he smokes. Like, that's kind of a thing you notice through this whole thing, which is a yeah, it's a it's a it's an interesting little bit of character detail that you don't see a lot in movies. So this is has... also um, the guy that's voiced by Abe Vigoda. Yeah. But there's a funny scene where, like, so he picks up Arthur Reeves at one point, and, you know, he's, like, freaking out because Batman's coming after him. But, like, I love that look on his face when, like, Arthur Reeves get out, gets out of the car, and he's like, it's suddenly not healthy in here, that look on his face. Like, because <laughs> Salvatore, Salvatore Felestra is kind of, like, a very pathetic old man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see him uh, frequently uh, using, uh, like oxygen therapy yeah because uh, yeah. he has obviously he has some sort of like lung condition it's cupd or whatever sure. yeah yeah so what was it that um which which one was that uh Vigoda was in which was it was it what uh um, miller godfather yeah or godfather he was godfather also, part two was it yeah i think so he was also in barney miller and also Vigoda. no Vigoda was in godfather one well, okay. Was it was that the one where he said, "Isn't there anything we can do?" And they're like, "Not this time." Yes. Okay. So he's he's playing kind of that that 
washed out gangster thing kind of stuck with him a well, little. He was, well, he, he was also he was um, he was in Barney Miller and Fish, mm-hmm. which is probably what he's best known for. Or was at one point. Yeah, that's probably like what his big role was. And then he he went on to be a running punchline for Conan O'Brien. Too. Yeah. <laughs> so but, then, so then we get into what I think. Shouldn't shock anyone, but so Salvatore Velestra hires the Joker on to take care of Batman. And yes, and I have to say this might be like my favorite like Joker in the animated series. Like other than other than um, the the Injustice Gang episode from Justice League, like this is the Joker just being the Joker so much like through this whole thing uh, i want to get into that uh but really quickly shad uh yes. i think the line you're looking for is because he played uh sal tessio in godfather one and he goes to tom hagen he's like can you get me off the hook tom for old time's sake okay that's the line yes <laughs> and uh robert duvall as tom hagen's like can't do it sally i that's... actually i actually greatly people always rave about godfather 2 and i'm not saying it's not a great movie but i actually prefer godfather 1 over godfather 2 i find you know the my biggest issue with godfather is i wish someone would just do it so the blood looks like not that god awful like 70s blood Mm -hmm. that's my biggest problem with that movie I'm not big into mob movies myself. Like it just, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't like the, I don't like the glamorization of, of the whole organized crime thing. And that kind of takes me out of it. But, and so maybe that's why I prefer Goodfellas to, to Godfather because, you know, Ray Liotta's character there is, he's just, he's a hanger on. He's not someone who ever like quote well, made Jeff it. Pesci's awesome. And mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, we need to talk about the superior mob uh, group, though, is the Good Feathers. <laughs> Pulling it back to the animation. Yes. Uh, anyway, I, I, I want to get to your point. This. So. OK, I'll, let me pull back the curtain here. I remember like, when I was a kid and I watched this movie. Because I loved Batman the Animated Series. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. Probably my favorite animated show of all time. And I've said that on the show. I didn't like this as a kid. Like, I didn't like the film. And watching it as an adult, I was, like, locked into it. Like, I feel I got so much more watching this as an adult than watching as a kid. Because it's been decades since I've seen this film. I liked it as a kid. But, like, as an adult, I'm like, this is very very heavily character driven it is and i i think because when i watched it as a kid it's like i want more fight scenes i want less you know batman andrea beaumont romance but as an adult obviously i could appreciate that and you're right it's like this is heavily character driven it's a different type of episode it is i mean it's not that long of a a quote-unquote film it's like if you actually it's only like it's not even 90 minutes that, no, it's, it's 78. Like, well, that and that's like with credits, so it's really it's almost like 70, 75 minutes. It's it's mm-hmm. almost like it's the equivalent of about three episodes of the show, maybe, yeah. and maybe. And when I say it's character driven, like it, the character stuff is very like crisscrossed and like very complicated, and the way they tell the story, like 
kind of keeps it narrow and then like expands it out slowly. Like it's very well crafted as a narrative. And I, I as a child, yes. like I'm actually surprised I liked it. It's like, I think I was probably 13 when I saw this the first time. Like, I'm actually surprised I liked it because I'm like, wow, that like this is really kind of convoluted. Like, I, I don't know if 13 me was like getting all this stuff or I just liked it because oh, yeah. I was fanboying <laughs> because it was TAS. Oh, I, I, I was the exact yeah. same thing because I was enjoying it because it was Batman, the animated series. The the first time I saw it since I was, I guess it'd be middle school. The first time I saw it since then was when there was a re-release tour in Cinemark Theaters of Mask of the Phantasm. And I was like, oh, okay, so they're doing like one showing Monday, Wednesday, Friday of this week. I took off work because I'm like, I'm going to go watch this. And I went to that one showing with something to drink and a bag of gummy bears and enjoyed the living hell out of it because I was just like, oh, this is even better than I thought it was. Because this is, like, the best Bruce Wayne that's ever been on, like, the screen. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually fascinating because he uh, he was so – like, they actually explore in a lot of ways that other other portrayals of Bruce Wayne and, and Batman and media don't do, mm-hmm. where they actually come so close to where he's going to – he's essentially going to abandon being Batman. Yeah. And he even has this existential crisis at his at his parents' grave. Like kind of almost breaking down, saying like I didn't plan for this. I didn't plan to. I didn't like anticipate being happy. Yeah. And it's it's if you actually think too hard about it, it's actually like like a tearjerker slash like really dark that it's like this guy basically yeah. resolved himself to the fact that he would just leave a, a life of like pain and anguish and misery for yeah. the rest of his days just to seek vengeance. And his and, his um his like chemistry with Andrea Beaumont is so different than like any Bruce Wayne thing I've ever seen before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because she brings such a different element. Like one of my favorite parts of that is when he's like doing his like jujitsu stuff on the front lawn. He's like, well, do you expect every guy that meets you to call you? And she's like, guys smart enough to dial a phone. <laughs> Yeah, she she is uh, she is not fawning. She uh, very clearly matches him. And she's got like like her. She's got like a very snarky like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's different than like Catwoman or Vicky Vale or any of those people. Like she just has like such a like such a different personality for like a Batman character. It is. But it's it's also fascinating because if you I mean, in the comic books, there's been like a lot of he's had a lot of romantic like interests and and I guess it depending upon your you as a fan can argue like who who the best one is who you think he should wind up with. I'm kind of like I think him and Catwoman are kind of like to me like the the quintessential pairing. But yeah, that's the alpha couple. For, I like for, him with Wonder Woman and the Justice League. Oh, uh, I, I did. I actually did too. I kind of. I'm not weird run like I let me write I'm gonna write fan fiction about no I'm like I but in in my own it, way it's like I I like this like let's ship like Batman <laughs> Batman and Wonder Woman because they had like that flirtation in, in yeah Justice League like and by the way I'm not I'll even say there's not anything wrong with writing fan fiction just 
don't expect everybody to hop on your version of stuff. Don't okay? attack the actors and the writers yes. for not going with your. You're it's, not going with my head cannon. I. It's like, no. well, oddly enough, no. That's why it's. Because I'll tell you, I'll but, be straight up honest. Because I'm always offbeat about stuff. Like, I actually like Clark Kent with Lana Lang better than I ever did with Lois. So, that's yeah. just me. Um, but in a lot of the actually like like media not not like comic books not print media but in terms of actually like audiovisual like animated shows or live action this is i mean he probably he got he, he went so far as to get engaged mm-hmm. to entering a beaumont the so it's al- yeah it's almost like this like she went the like that really is kind of the most he has gone with with a female interest in in kind of media, so it was very different. Well, there was yeah, the outside of comics. In comics, yeah. they bat, bait and switched oh, about God. like. Yeah, that pissed me off so now. bad. And that, yeah, that Tom King run. Yeah, that yeah. damaged the comics pretty bad, and yeah, I, I can't. Yeah. Let me let me go back really quickly though, because uh, I, I talked about how like it was, it was kind of he had this existential crisis at his parents' grave. Mm-hmm. A kind of a, another thing that, again, watching this as an adult, you kind of get. There's a lot of things that they threw out there, and sometimes it's like you got to stop and think about them to process them. But they kind of – they bring this up at a couple different points throughout the film where he's having this – he has a sex crisis. It's like I didn't, I didn't plan to be happy, like almost like asking for forgiveness mm-hmm. from his pa- his dead parents well, and it's he like said, I, in a I, in a rainstorm in the graveyard and he said it doesn't yeah. hurt so bad anymore because because that's the that's the existential crisis is because he's he's actually developing this life and like his mm-hmm. parents are kind of going like it's it's like a natural thing like when a relative dies it's like it still hurts, but like his life is going on, and they're just starting to get further away, and that hole is getting like smaller. Yeah. Because and it's just like, and he didn't like being a kid at the time. You know, I think it just he's kind of having that like adult revelation of. Yeah. But they say all this, and again, he's like essentially almost apologizing to them that he's gonna, in theory, give up this whole his his you know life this devoting a lifetime of vengeance against him for Mm -hmm. being murdered meanwhile it is heavily implied by alfred and and through other things throughout the film at least two or three times where it's like no actually what your parents wanted of you is to have a happy life they wanted you to move on and alfred says this to him at least once in the in the context so he's yeah batman having like bruce wayne having this existential crisis about like oh I'm thinking of giving up Batman. Like, please forgive me for having these feelings. And meanwhile, it's like, like, dummy, this is exactly what your parents wanted. And what you are instead choosing is to have a life of, you know, anger and darkness. And choosing this path of vengeance. Yeah, yeah, pain. You're you're having a life of pain, basically. Yeah. I also love the scene, though. And I think it's probably one of the best Batman scenes of all time is so... So when we go further into the the flashback, um, right after they get engaged, he takes her to the house and like, and he meets her dad and stuff. And like, he's obviously involved with these mobsters. And what you Mm -hmm. find out is that he's embezzling the money. So what happens is he takes her home and um, there's pre-Joker there 
who's smoking, which I love that scene where he like flicks his cigarette as the car as they're going by. Mm-hmm. But um, so he gets the ring back because um, we'll get into that in a minute of what happens. But um, he gets the ring back, so that he that makes the decision for him. So we go to the scene where they discover the Batcave before this, and it's Alfred like. And him getting the stuff ready and it's Alfred hands him like the cowl and he puts it on like after a moment of pause and he turns and like Alfred recoils in horror from like what's you say of, like dear lord or something like dear that god mm-hmm. and it's it's like an awesome like I think that's one of my favorite Batman scenes ever and I have to say because this this scene like it brings it together but the music in this movie is off the charts awesome Mm-hmm. I'll admit there's a um, <clears throat> there's something in my head that's kind of stuck as a wrinkle because I don't remember when I found it. But years ago, in, in the days pre-YouTube, there was somebody had put together there was a there was a trend in the early 2000s of taking clips from older TV shows and making a music video out of them. And what you know what? Fine, cool. People are learning how to edit video edit and stuff like that. Not a big deal. And someone had done this Batman origin story, not the stuff with Andrea, but like the year one stuff and him putting on the cowl and that sort of thing and had uh, overlaid it with Metallica's Unforgiven. And so that that moment when he puts the cowl on and turns around and Joker and, and, and Alfred kind of recoils. Is is that moment when you hear them and you just growl kind of the unforgiven and it's just like, ooh, ooh, that 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 hit right. And so I can watch this, but I'll still hear that song in my head at that moment. Yeah. So we get um, so we get so we go back to. So what happens is so Salvatore Valestra is the Phantasm's next um, victim, but they still think it's Batman. So he goes to the Joker and offers him all this money to take care of him and Joker pretty much laughing gasses him and kills him. So the phantasm goes to Salvatore Palestra's um, home and he's like, it's his corpse with like a camera on it. And Joker's like, Ooh, you're not Batman. Like, well, um, Oh, well, your name's going to be all over town with like your spleen and heart. And so that the house like blows up, which leads to, the Joker pretty much drives the second half of this movie. So then the Joker shows up to Arthur Reeves. Mm-hmm. And so and Joker essentially figures out who the Phantasm is. Which, spoilers, it's Andrea Beaumont after blaming her dad. But um, Yeah. And they did something fun with it because the voice modulator that or the voice disguiser or whatever the hell it is that she's using is using Stacy Keach's voice, who is the guy voicing her dad, mm-hmm. to kind of throw it off. And I, I'm like, ah, you know what? I appreciate that. That's that's good stuff. Now, my only complaint is because there's this big scene, like, right after this explosion where the cops are chasing Batman. And that, that scene's actually really awesome. But it's the only time, like, he fights the Phantasm is, like, for two seconds which I didn't like as a kid and I still don't like as an adult, I would have liked them to actually have like a bit more of a fight. Uh, yeah, I, I understand. 
And but it also kind of makes sense. Yeah. So he he gets away from the cops and he gets really hurt with the cops because one of the stupid SWAT team guys like hits a hits like an oxygen tank. Well, yeah, they're they're firing blindly into the smoke at him, and even Bullock calls him out. You know, Bullock's like, "You idiots, what are you doing?" Calling them out for being reckless. So, I thought that was kind of nice because it's it's we almost too blew them easy. up too because they were getting yeah. hit with shrapnel and he calls him a jerk. Yeah. Well, Harvey Bullock is is a fun, complicated character because the guys. He's trying to be a good cop, but he's also, um, you know, he's kind of a dick. (laughs) There's a really good episode about his past in the animated series. Yes. Because he's the guy that he doesn't want uh, internal affairs looking at him too closely. Yeah. Because he's kind of a morally he's 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 kind of morally gray. He'd be kind of like chaotic good i think if you were to he's kind of a cowboy cop yeah mm-hmm. so so bruce gets away which is that is is the big reuniting with andrea mm-hmm. so then this takes us into the climax where so so bruce figures out that um so there's this picture of all of them together and bruce figures out that the joker is one of them Mm-hmm. Which is pretty obvious if you watch it. But then you get like what actually happened and why she left. So um, Andrea's dad had like embezzled um, their money. And what she walked in on was them trying to get the money. So then he convinces them to give them time, which, you know, he can't do. So they run off to Europe. And then you find out. Um, I think she tells him that part. And then you find out later that the Joker pretty much tracks him down and kills him like years later because Arthur Reeves. Um, he sells him out. Yeah. Sells him out because his campaign was out of money because, yeah. Cause Arthur Reeves gets laughing gas too. And Batman interrogates him, mm-hmm. which that, that seems interesting. So the keep going. Cause I don't want to jump the, I don't want to jump the line too much. So then we get to the end part. So she tracks down Joker. They have this whole brawl, which Joker's living in like this kind of. It's a world's now. fair. Yeah. World's fair. And, um, I just love that he like hits on like the robot. And, like <laughs> the chunks of it keep coming off. And I don't know why he keeps putting it in his suit. <laughs> because he's the Joker. Man. Yeah. I want to go back to uh, to talking about the Joker because it made me really think about <clears throat> like the Batman animated series version of the Joker. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm trying to to gauge him compared to other Jokers that have I I guess I could say like since I mean I almost I don't know if he was quite influenced by like the Nicholson Joker, which would have been the Joker. No. Kind of prior to that. I don't, I don't think know. So. But he's clearly he's not he's not like the Caesar well, obviously not the Caesar Romero or even like the Joker that you see from the comic books who's he is, this the Batman the animated series version of the Joker I feel is far more physical and mm-hmm. more like physically imposing 
and less to me like there are versions of the Joker that are clearly like just flat out psychotic and not that this Joker isn't but he's almost more like a sociopath he's just like a like a a a killer because obviously he was presented as a hitman but a killer who has like sociopathic tendencies and has adopted like this whole killer clown gimmick for the lulls essentially but he's less like like the, the trope, like the cloud cuckoo lander, less like he's just in his own head mm-hmm. uh, than other versions of the Joker that have been presented in, in media. He's more like, he's more dangerous in my opinion. He's more like on top of things. He He's almost like he is fully aware of who he is and what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And the killer clown gimmick is almost like like that it's like it's a wrestling gimmick almost it's like well, he's he playing a part out who she is like he he yeah because there's so a he, scene he, the, there's no, this, a... the batman animated series version of joker is and not that other versions of the joker have been presented as dumb but this one is like particularly competent and clever yeah in my opinion and he's he to me he's also devious thing clever would be the word i'd use that, that's fair one of the things that I really like in this, it's it's like you said, he's not he's not the Cloud Cuckoo Lander type, but it's like he turned the corner from it's like I'm a mobster and I do bad things to okay, the whole world's a joke, and so some of the stuff I do is just funny, and but he's also he's not detached from reality. He, he's I think the one that he is most similar to, but without being the same, is probably the Heath Ledger version, who is also very competent and very devious, but they have completely different personalities. Whereas Heath Ledger Joker is like this making a statement and and that sort of stuff. This version of the Joker is like, I, I don't care. I'm going to do what I'm going to do and, you know, I'm going to have fun along the way, but it it feels to me like that's the closest uh, parallel. I would say he less has a, I think this version of Joker versus the Heath Ledger one would be like, if you're like, they're like, do you have a greater purpose? Like, no, like that's boring. Yeah, that I'd agree with that. The Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger version is also it's kind of like they are spiritually kind of in the same vein where it's like how much they're more cognizant and aware in my opinion I don't know if I'm explaining it in in the correct way but I feel like they are more aware of who they are and they're just chaotic as a choice versus Mm -hmm. I mean there, there. It depends. Like if you go back to even reading like the Killing Joke by Alan Moore, it's heavily almost implied that it's like Joker was once a, like a normal person, and because of the circumstances, it just completely mentally broke him, and he's an absolute horrific monster. But there is, like, he's truly like there. You questioning? It's like he does not seem like he's truly sane. Like he really does seem like completely insane. So his brain does not work the same way that other people do. Like mm-hmm. incredibly evil things that he does seems perfectly natural and funny to him. Right. 
versus like the the Batman animated series Joker or the Heath Ledger Joker, where they are incredibly dark, damaged people, but they're doing things very like uh, cognizant choices that they're doing mm-hmm. because they're very twisted. I think Heath Ledger is a little more nuanced than Batman. Batman animated series just seems like he's just evil. Yeah, it was always like a bad, bad seed. um, Where the Heath Ledger, you don't know his backstory, but he's another one who's hyper competent. Obviously, can engage in a lot of shit and devious schemes in that movie, but was motivated more by the chaos and created the chaos than anything else. I think my favorite animated series one is um, oh, what's the guy's name? The guy that owed him a favor. Joker's favor. Um, he changed his name to Don. I, I can't remember what his first name was. But where he where he gets him in the alley, mm-hmm. and Joker's like freaking out. And he gets Batman to come, and he like totally pulled one over on him. And it was a fake bomb. Yeah. And Batman laughs, and Joker's like very funny. Yeah, Joker's mad that this guy got Batman to laugh, and he couldn't ever do it. And I, I, but what I love about that too is when Joker's like chasing him down, he's properly signaling in traffic with his <laughs> arm. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it, this version of the Joker does stuff because he thinks it's funny. Mm-hmm. Like I think that that's the gimmick is along the way he does stuff that he thinks is funny in the middle of of whatever his plan is, as opposed to other versions like, oh, I'm doing wacky, crazy stuff, but it's violent because I'm the Joker. It's like, uh, yeah. So he and Andre, he and Andrea kind of get into it, and that that's where the joke from the beginning of the show came is. So there's a point where she's just wailing on him, and he's reaching for this butcher knife, and he just had this baloney that he bought or stole, probably. <laughs> probably. Well, Joker would probably pay for it then, because that's funny. No idea. But so the, he's reaching for that, but the. The um the baloney's all he gets, so he just fucking like wails on her with this piece of baloney. He also came at her with a mixing mixer. So the one one the in that lead up to this this brawl is something that absolutely cracked my brother and I. Is she shows up and what is it? Your vengeance is at hand. Was that the Phantasm's catchphrase or uh, your angel of death is here? Your angel of death, your angel awaits. Of death awaits. Yeah. Okay. That's what it is. Does that. And Joker calls her out and then you get the line in Stacy Keach's voice goes, well, you figured it out. And she just pulls the, off. Mm-hmm. and the tone shift between your angel of death awaits. And well, you figured it out is so jarring. It cracked us up. No, I think like, he said, um, I think he said like, I like the costume a bit theatrical, if you ask me. But, you know, that just just the shift on that line just absolutely killed us. So then he gets her. He gets her like in this wind turbine thing and Batman saves her by tossing his bike into it. Mm-hmm. So, then this tur- so he gets her to go away, essentially. So this turns into like your standard Batman Joker fight. So... This part cracks me up still. It's like Batman's looking for him in like this old model of like this futuristic city. And Joker's like creeping around with a building on his head. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so he turns this corner and Joker just like, like smashes this giant building over his head. 
And because, you know, this is a PG movie, and at the time, like, so Batman kicks him and, like, knocks one of his teeth out. Yeah, and I actually was impressed by that because throughout the, the remainder of the animation, the tooth stays out. Yeah. And it's it, – so there – this is kind of pulling back the curtain. There, uh, I'm not really squeamish except for two things. Like, I get really squeamish at finger injuries. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get really squeamish with, like, like teeth injuries. So Oh, you got both like, in this then because he had the – remember he punched, like, one of those planes right in the propeller – Oh yeah, uh, but the the Joker with like losing a tooth, I was like, Ugh. I was like, I was like, Ugh. like sh- like shuddering a little bit when that happened. But I kind of like when he does that though, because there's this moment of kaiju where like Joker crashes into this building. Yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I I thought that actually, I was like, oh, it's like, it's like a Godzilla movie kind of. Yeah, dun 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 dun. So then they have this big fight. Joker sets this bomb to go off because he's because he's the Joker. He's filled this whole park like the the tunnels underneath with explosives because why wouldn't he? I I saw that. I'm like, what? I mean, as a kid, maybe you're just like, oh yes, this makes perfect sense, or you just don't think about it. But as an adult watching this, I'm like, what was the point of that? Like, why would you do? <laughs> why would you do that? I guess I. It's just well, I guess I, I guess I rationalized. Well, why is he having this like layer in this, you know, this futuristic city of tomorrow from like a fair twenty well, years ago, whatever? Like a robot dog and like this um, robot, this wo- woman, like are his family. Yeah, uh, I just kind of rationalized it, hand it in my own mind that it's like, oh well, clearly he must have like it planned at some point to maybe have like Batman you know, show up here that he was going to. I was just like, I was just like the Joker would do this and he wouldn't even need a reason to do this. Like Mm -hmm. it would just be for the walls. I took it as he's, he's on an explosives kick because he had the bomb earlier in the movie and he's like, Oh, I'm, 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 I'm in my bomb phase now. Or he found a bunch of explosives. Like, well, I got to use it for something. Can't take it with you. Maybe, maybe the military was having a surplus sale and he just like, it was just too cheap to not buy it all. <laughs> I'd be leaving money on the table. I do love the the one thing from the animated <laughs> series that I do love though is um is the episode where like the IRS was involved and they're like, why are you oh, paying yeah. this? He's like, he's like, look, I'm crazy enough to take on Batman, but the IRS like, no, 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 no. Yeah. The and and so when you get to the end of the sequence. <clears throat> the um and you know the explosions start because of course they do. We are in the jetpack ride where he's like trying to. He's oh like, yeah. He's just like, come on, like I'm the only way you're gonna get out of here, and Batman just like, nope. Yeah, but in the explosion thing, you have that's when that last laugh Joker does there is just. That's like the most chilling one you ever hear him do. And and by that token, anybody in the DC animated universe, like the, the, the most intense laugh you ever hear. And, mm-hmm. and, and Mark Hamill, there was an interview. Mark Hamill said that this, this is where he truly got a handle on the Joker voice and the laugh. And it's like, yeah, no kidding, Mark. We got that much. It's such an iconic moment though. Cause it's just like pure chaos. And he's just, He's just cackling. Yeah. Because the joke on him was it wasn't actually Batman. 
that was doing it. So he was wrong. So that's funny. And now here he is. He set up all these bombs and he's not going to be able to get out. And so his own his own joke is played on him. And he's just he's just howling. And I'm like, whoo, that's 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 a heck of a that that sends chills is what it does. Yeah, so they kind of all go their separate ways. We get to the end, like Bruce finds this locket and Alfred has like a good talk like about how he couldn't have done anything to save her because she fell into that abyss and that he had always worried about that for Bruce, but he always comes back at the end of the night. And then Mm -hmm. you find her on a boat at the end and then you get like this scene where like Batman's kind of still morning but then the bat signal goes off and it's time for him to go into action and that's the end of the movie and um so that it's a hard movie to recap because it's been all over the place because these threads are kind of tangled through the whole movie like you have a couple things going on at the same times like you might have a scene that breaks into uh, a flashback yeah so it's it- well, okay, so general, general, uh, general read on this one. What, what do you say? Just still the best Batman overall. movie ever. Because I, it's I don't such... know that I would agree with that, like ever, like the the live action ones. I, I probably would rate the Nolan movies better, but I only like Dark Knight. That I only like the second Nolan movie a lot. Like Batman Begins is okay. The third Nolan movie I think sucks. Oh, see, I like that a lot, actually. I don't, I don't hate the third. I look at the third Nolan movie, and the thing I get at, there's two complaints I have with it. Bane's voice. Number one, and, well, three complaints. Bane's voice, it's like you really didn't need that. But first complaint is they co-opted Bane's background, they and they didn't need that, to though. do that. I, I really, I really hate that. And then number two. The fact that it committed the crime of following the Dark Knight, it's like, well, it's going to suffer a lot from that comparison. I like it pretty well. Uh, I think it's – they tie together some some good aspects. They use the No Man's Land storyline really well. Like I, I like it decently well. Is there stuff there's an issue? Sure. Was I annoyed in the lead-up when they were like, oh, no, 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 no. Um, I'm going to forget her name. Talia. No, the, well, the actress. Oh, uh, Anne Hathaway? No. Because oh, yeah. that was Catwoman. Um, I remember her name now. Dag on it. Well, they were like, no, no, it's not Talia. And then I'm sitting there next to one of my best friends in movie tavern watching this. And whenever she says the line about, oh, yes, we want to enforce balance, he and I look at each other and we're like, totally Talia. Like it abs there's no questions. Like don't don't try and, and throw I hate this when off. They do that and then they think they're yeah. tricking you and it's like, yes, because well you didn't, but you know. It's like we already figured it out, Joker you know, doofus, but <clears throat> and then So I, I think it's fine. I I think the first and the third, sure. You can you can put those on par and that'd be that'd I be think great. The first one's better than the third one. Like I think if this isn't the best one to me, it'd be the Dark Knight. Um, but like, and I, I would put this, I'd put this well above the third one. It might be, cause it, to me, like the top 
ones would be this, Dark Knight, and 89. And then the first uh, Michael Keaton one. Yeah, because I don't think any of the other Michael Keaton ones are particularly good. Or well, I mean, there's only one other Keaton. I'm one, sorry, so. I, I don't think any of the 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 Barton? 90s ones are particularly yeah. good. I should say. I um. I I don't know if I can say it's better. I can say I like it more because they both have good storylines and good writing, but I like the. I like the characters in this one more. Um, and maybe that's just nostalgia goggles. I can admit that. But I just like it more. This one's just concise. I think that's why I like it so much. It's concise. The character motivations are really good. Like, I don't... It is not, like, overwrought and stuff. It's, like, just a solid origin story. It's very character-driven. Mm-hmm. And I just say that a bad way. It is, it is concise and it's 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 very good. Again, uh, watching this as an adult was very eye-opening to me. Uh, I felt that I got a lot more of it, a lot more out of it than when I was a kid. So, I I, I probably would not rate it above the Nolan Batman movies, but you know I'm not I don't begrudge anyone who does. I think my other problem with the Nolan Batman movies is there's a bit of bloat in all of them. I think part of why I I like Phantasm more is they exhibit the skill of being able to tell this story without... Without, like, stretching it uh, out with filler. Well, no, that's not what I was going for. Like, the thing the Dark Knight does is that there is, even if, if you even want to use the term implied, there is a lot of very like brutal violence is employed for it. You know, I'll make this pencil disappear, you know, like that's, that's a very character moment for the Joker, but it, to me, that's, that feels like more gauche kind of in, yeah. in showing the threat of the Joker is like, you know, it, Oh, here's a joke where I kill a guy as opposed to it's, it's a little different in this one. Where, yes, a lot of it happens off screen, but it's also very in character, if I'm making any sense. No, I think, like, because, like, when he kills Salvatore, like, there, like, that one's kind of a real, the way they did that was very surprising. Mm-hmm. So, again, I, I can't say, I, I can't say which one's better between this or Dark Knight. I can just say I like this one more. This is one I'd watch over and over again. Like Dark Knight, I have to be in a very particular mood for. Well, and like you said, you have to block out more time for that also. Oh, yeah, that movie's fucking long. Because <laughs> for me, I, th I think my biggest part with The Dark Knight is like, I think I would enjoy that movie more if you just cut the Harvey Dent part out of it. Uh, while I understand what you're saying, it, it I, I feel like that that's what brings it together at the end. So, and I the, um, there, there was I think my other problem with that movie, and I so I would still say it's better. Is like there it felt like they like there was like a part where it felt like it should have ended, and then it just kind of like kept going. Uh, kind of. 
It's still a good one. Like, and like, I like the Michael Keaton one, but like, there's issues with the Michael Keaton one. And I don't, I don't like returns. I don't like, I, I have a, I have a soft spot for for forever, but it's not a good movie. No. And Batman and Robin's trash. Um, Batman Begins is, Batman Begins is good. Like I said, Dark Knight's really good. I don't like Dark Knight Rises. Um, Batman vs. Superman is garbage. Yeah, I'm not getting into the Snyder stuff. And I haven't seen... I, I've said one. before, Batman vs. Superman is not a good movie, but it's it's one of those movies that for whatever reason, like I if it's on, like I'll uh like on on Max or whatever like that. I and I'm just doing like like chores and like folding laundry or washing dishes or something like that. Maybe I'll just throw it on. Mm-hmm. It's like, like in my opinion, it's like oddly like inoffensive. Mm-hmm. But that's me. Like that's it idiosyncratically, like I, I I just, kind of, no, I get it. I get it. I yeah. just the. I would not hate it so much if those if Zack Snyder did not like do such a hit job on Superman. Uh, fair. That's uh, my I, biggest problem with Man of Steel too. Is like, it is a terrible Superman. Like with no no care for anyone, and it's the same way in like the Batman movie. The Batman yeah. or Superman is like, there's like no, it's the problem I had with the Green Arrow, um, the Arrow oh, show yeah. is yeah. like, there's this weird in like a lot of those, like this no care for who they kill in the process. Like that's my big problem with the Arrow show was I got, I don't know, like eight or nine episodes in that. It's like, I'm going to get even with these billionaires by killing these guys, probably making $20 an hour, just trying to feed their family because that's yeah. what I do. La di da da da. That that's what bothered me about Man of Steel is that Superman was too aloof from you know regular people, and that's like you're. I'm gonna say you you got to go back and check like Christopher Reeve. Superman care you know whenever Superman saved people, you you got the impression that you know he he cared about them. Um. The closest I feel like that got to that, even though uh, it wasn't a good movie, was was when Brandon Routh played him. Oh, and God, Brandon Routh so got terrible. Yeah. But I feel like Brandon Routh was the closest thing we got to the Christopher Reeve. And that's the for me, for live action, that's the one I'm I'm like, yeah, that's 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 about right. Um, but you know, and then you get into the animated series one. He was <laughs> the animated series Superman was voiced by, by the guy from Wings, so <laughs> that's not really a fair comparison. He was um, a good Superman. Yeah, I, I really look the animated series, Batman animated, Superman animated, and Justice League. I'm like, look, I'm just gonna say those are the canon ones. Just I like just the, those. I liked what's his face from Lois and Clark. I thought he was a good Superman and. Clark. Tyler Halklin? No. The, from the 90s. Oh, Dean Kane. Yeah, Dean Kane. Dean Kane was a good Superman. I liked Dean Kane in that too. It was that I think that's a better show than people give it credit for. Yeah, uh, it's a little offbeat for a superhero show, I think. Well, I I kind of chalk that up to budget constraints, but And I have to tell you one of my favorites 
and you can get them real easy because they're public domain now. But those 40 cartoons, the 40s cartoons are awesome. Uh, My uh, for Superman. Yeah. yeah. Like the Max Fleischer. Yeah, the I Max think. Fleischer ones are awesome. Yeah, I used to. I don't. I don't have any more. But I think back in the day, I used to have like a a VHS or a DVD with all of them on there. Yeah. You, I, I think. I actually think I got. I actually think I bought it like the the dollar store. Like that's how long ago. Like you can. It, I think it entered into public domain. Yeah, maybe. they're in, they're in public. You can get the Fleischer ones if you've got a Prime subscription. They're on Prime Video. Yeah, because mm. it's it's and it's like it's like before he could fly and stuff. It's like super early Superman, so he's not like overpowered and. But there's not really like super super villains. It's more like Superman and like a pulp series. There's there is a um, how can I best put this? There is one episode in that that's very much a uh, yellow menace thing that i was when when my oldest was really digging in the superman thing i'm like we're gonna skip this episode you know we're just not gonna uh, <laughs> it was very much of its time <laughs> it was and and that's fine but a four-year-old doesn't need to be trying to parse the difference on those things yeah but that one that one actually i think is like i think the animated series is really good but the max fleischer ones are awesome like the really animation like. still is great. Like it's it's a great Superman. The music from the Fleischer ones is the biggest thing that hits me because it's it's that big brassy classic Superman theme. So yeah, that one. And I I I, I don't remember it and it probably sucks now, but I remember I used to watch on Nick at Night the like black and white Superman TV show. Oh, um, George Reeves. Yeah, the the other one that was a cursed superman because i don't remember what happened there. yeah uh i believe he committed suicide yeah okay oh george reeves yeah i think so mm-hmm. that, that show probably sucks though I, i'm just gonna say i don't that. know that show's probably bad i just remember watching it as a kid <laughs> oh and um the, it's also fun because i've listened to some of them the um the radio show is fun okay i haven't done any of that you can find those super you can probably get those on archive.org truthfully so all right well um i think that'll wrap us on this episode uh mask of the phantasm was fun we really enjoyed it um we'd love to hear what you think get us up on our social media and if you've got a request for something like that let us know um because you know we're still interested in handling request stuff as it comes along uh at discretion, you know, maybe. <laughs> but anyway, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth, and we'll catch you next time.